We are in the uh, Book of Romans in our sermon series, and uh, today uh, we're, we're in this section of Romans that's all about assurance. So if you belong to Jesus, uh, Romans 8 says there is now no condemnation for you. That's at the start of Romans chapter 8, and then at the end it says if you belong to Jesus, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ And so everything in between those two bookends of Romans chapter 8 is all about the assurance that we have uh, when we belong to Christ. And uh, we're in the section of Romans uh, that that unpacks this uh, in terms of um, what we have to look forward to. So just three verses today. This is going to be the shortest passage that we look at in Romans, uh, but there's a lot in it. And uh, we'll read it now, Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for uh, the assurance that we can have in Christ of things to come, and Lord, we pray that as we consider this uh, theme today, uh, we pray that you would give us understanding, Father. We pray that uh, where there is uh, difficult concepts in this passage to understand, that that your Spirit would help us uh, to see clearly, and we pray, Father, that uh, as a result that we might yeah, have this confidence in our hearts uh, that belonging to Christ is uh, such a wonderful privilege of grace, and we pray it in his name. Amen. So we're in this section of Romans uh, that that is actually about the hope uh, that the gospel of Jesus actually gives us in the face of suffering. See, this this passage, it's about assurance, but this section is about the assurance we have when we suffer. Uh, And already um, we've seen in Romans 8 that we have uh, two two reasons we can be uh, very hopeful, very confident in the face of suffering, and the first one is that the future glory that's coming, you know, what Christ is going to bring for us, will far outweigh all of the sufferings of this present life. And we also saw last week that another reason we can be hopeful in the face of suffering is because we actually have God living in us now, the Holy Spirit. And having the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that you won't miss out on that future glory. He's like the the down payment of this future inheritance that's coming for all who are in Jesus. And so we can be really hopeful in suffering. It's it's not the end of the world. The future is bright. And today we come to a third reason why we can have real hope in the face of suffering if we belong to Jesus, and that is 
what God is actually doing in us and for us through suffering. Okay, what God is doing in us and for us through suffering. And uh, that's, that's what we see in these three verses. And uh, we're going to look at it under three headings. Firstly, that God is working at all for good. Second, we're going to think about well, what that good actually is. And then finally, we'll look at the guarantee for it. So first of all, let's, let's look at this first point. God is working all things together for good. Uh, that's really the point of Romans 8.28, uh, which says we know, okay, it's assurance, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So remember, the point is assurance. And uh, th this is the assurance that belongs to a certain person. It's to those who love God, who are also described as those who have been called according to his purpose. And so this is talking about believers. It's talking about people who belong to Jesus. And it's saying that if you belong to Jesus, you have this assurance that no matter what you go through in life, God is working it for good. No matter what you face, God is working it for good. Now, that doesn't mean that life is always going to be good. It's not saying that God is making your, you know, everything in life good now, or not even mostly good. In fact, for, for some believers, life is mostly bad, uh, full of suffering. Uh, last week, we looked at that passage that, that reminded us that we live in a fallen world. You know, we still have fallen bodies. We still have the presence of sin. And so a lot of life is a pain. Uh, there's still suffering to endure. You know, this present time, uh, the last uh, section told us, is marked by sufferings. We're not in glory yet. And so we will suffer in this life. But what Romans 8.28 is saying is that no matter what you go through, no matter how hard it is, God is working all of it together for good. All together for good. And all things, it really does mean all things. It means every aspect of life. Okay? God doesn't leave things up to chance. He, he doesn't just go, well, well, you know, I'll create the world and we'll see what happens. He doesn't do that. He, he, he doesn't leave, uh, you know, doesn't, our lives aren't run by blind chance. Uh, history is not being written as it happens. Okay, the life isn't, you know, all about stars aligning or, or having lucky circumstances or coincidence. There's none of that. Because life is run by a sovereign God. He rules over it all. And therefore, he tells us here that what he's doing in all of circumstances, is working for good. Now, when things go good in life, what do we do? When we know God is the one who rules over all things, we thank God for them. But when life goes bad, what do we do? Nothing's changed. God's still ruling over all things. So what do we do? We trust God through those things because he tells us here that he is working them all together for good. Now, last week I read out a big long list of trials that we go through. You know, arthritis, migraines, disabilities, cancer. 
depression, loss, grief, marriage struggles, parenting troubles, uh, even things like holidays not going to plan, uh, things breaking on your house, the car not working one day, accidents happening, you know, all of these things are terrible circumstances. And yet Romans 8.28 reminds us that in all things, okay, all of this, this long list, God works it all together for good, for our ultimate good. Okay, your, your ultimate benefit. And look, there are so many real-life examples of this right through God's Word. And the most obvious of these is, of course, the life of Joseph. Because if you think about Joseph's life, uh, he started out as a, a young lad who was, um, I guess you could say he was the victim of parental favoritism. And as a result, he was a spoiled brat. And uh, he, he seemed to you know, have a kind of aura about him, which just rubbed his brothers up the wrong way. And his brothers absolutely hated him. So that one day they decided to kill him. Uh, but then they, they kind of changed the plan. Instead, they sold him as a slave uh, to, to Egypt. And he was in Egypt for like 10 years serving as a slave. And then after those 10 years, uh, his master's wife accused him of a crime that he didn't do. So he was thrown into prison and he was there for another three years. And so, you know, he could look at his life and it's just one disaster after another. The suffering he went through. And yet from that prison cell, something happened and then suddenly things changed. Uh, he, he was taken out of the prison cell. He was made prime minister of Egypt and he ended up saving that part of the world from starvation. And so for Joseph, there was a point in his life where he could look back and realize, ah, all of that suffering that I went through, God was really working it all together for good. If it wasn't for all that to happen, then... We all would have died. We all would have starved to death. And so at the very end of his life, uh, his, his older brothers, uh, when they come to realize all that's happened and uh, they, they admit their fault, and Joseph says to them, let's have a look at Genesis 50, verse 20. This is the Old Testament, Romans 8, 28, because Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Okay, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, there's an example. God can work the worst things. Imagine being sold as a slave. You know, ended up, you know, God can work all of that for good. We can see that in Joseph's life, except that Joseph, he is a bit of an anomaly because he got to see the good that God was doing in his life during his lifetime. And see, that's not the case for everyone. In fact, Romans 8.28 is not promising that. The context of Romans 8.28 is the future glory that's coming. And it's not until that future glory comes that we will then be able to fully see what God is doing right now. You know, all of the things that God is working together for good, right now we can't really see that. It's not obvious. We get hints of it every now and then, but the full picture of what God is doing won't be revealed until the end, until Jesus comes again. And then we look back over history and then we can see all of the ways that God was working all things together for good. 
And uh, so the way to practice Romans 8.28, it's not by trying to look for every silver lining in all of the uh, troubles of life. Uh, That's not how we do it, because it's only on the other side of the second coming that we'll actually see them. In fact, the classic illustration of this, which um, I admit I've probably done to death, (laughs) but it's just such a good illustration, I'm going to roll it out one more time, and that is that illustration of the tapestry. Okay, If you go to some castles in Europe, they have these enormous tapestries on the wall hanging up. And uh, they're often pictures of great big battles or you know, pictures of kings or something like that. Uh, however, if you only saw that tapestry from the back, all that you would see is a mess. You would just see random strands of string going here, there, and everywhere. You'd see knots. It wouldn't make any sense. Okay, It's not, it's not until you see the, it from the front. When you, that's when you see the full picture. And see, life is just like that. From our perspective, when we look out on life, what do we see? We see life almost like looking at the back of a tapestry. We see all of the events of life and they're all random. They all seem like a mess. You know, there's one strand going here, one going there. It doesn't make sense. What is going on? That's how it looks. Right? But if we could see life from God's perspective, it's like God is looking at the front of the tapestry And to him, it's a perfect picture that he is weaving into something wonderful. And so that's what God is up to right now. Every little detail of your life, he is weaving together for your ultimate good. And so if you let it, this verse can be an incredible comfort. That is such a a deep reassurance and I actually regularly use this verse on myself. When, when, when things go wrong, I remind myself, God is working all things together for good. And it brings some sanity uh, to life. But I just want to add one caution um, today in how you use this verse to, to comfort others. And it is a source of comfort, of course, which you can use with others. But you've just got to be a little bit careful with how you do it. Because if you go to someone who is in a, in a terrible um, trial and you say to them, ah, nothing to worry about because God works all things together for good. Now, that, it's true. However, how will that, what will that person hear you saying? They will probably hear you saying, it's good you're suffering, right? And that's not what the verse is saying. This verse is not saying it's good that you're suffering. It's not good. Suffering is never good. Suffering is terrible. Okay, Suffering is, is a part of this fallen world. It's horrible. We should never say it's a good thing to suffer. What is good, though, is what God is doing through it. Okay, but You've got to be careful because people might not hear you saying that. They might be hearing you say, it's good that you're suffering. Now, our, our first port of call, if we're going to help someone who's suffering... Our first step in moving towards them is actually to acknowledge the pain. Okay, that's where you need to begin. Because otherwise people will just feel like you're shutting them down with a memory verse. And that doesn't help. Okay, step one, acknowledge the pain. Okay, empathize. And then you're in a position where you can slowly move them towards faith in God. And here is a passage 
that ignites our faith because it tells us that no matter what we go through, okay, God is working it together for good, our ultimate good. And so that's the first thing. God is, he really is working all things together for good. Now, the second thing we need to look at in this passage, though, is to actually ask the question, what is the good that God is working? Okay, it's all very well to say he's working for good, but what is that good? What is it we should be looking forward to? And uh, this passage actually tells us, but it is very important to think through because this is the point where most of the misunderstanding of Romans 8.28 comes in. Uh, it's often assumed that the good that God is working is just good circumstances. Okay, so to give some examples, it's like uh, if you have a car accident and your car is uh, ridden off and you go, aha, God is working all things for good, that means I'm going to get a new car. Or, um, you know, you, get, you go to buy the house of your dream. Uh, there's a house across the road from ours at the moment. Very nice. <laughs> and so, you, you know, yesterday there was like, I counted like 13 carloads of people um, coming to look at that house. And so you can imagine, you know, they're, 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 people think, okay, I finally found my dream home. Uh, and so they put the bid in. And after it's all said and done, you miss out. And you go, that's okay. Because God works all things for good. That means I'm going to get a better house. See, that's the way Romans 8, 28 is often interpreted. But that's missing the whole point. Romans 8, 28 is not about that. And the reason is, is because of this word good. Okay, we have to let the Bible define what the good is, not us. Because when we, def- when we think of good, we think usually in very uh, worldly categories, as in uh, health, Wealth and comfort, okay, that tends to be how we think about good. But what is the good? Okay, what is, it, what is the good that God is working towards? Is it, is it our worldly comfort and, and having nice stuff and, uh, you know, being healthy? No, he's got something far better than that in store. And we actually see it in the very next verse because if you look at verse 29, notice how it begins with the word for. And that word for, it's a connecting word. It's explaining more what the previous verse was about. And so this verse does tell us what the good is that God is working all things towards. And it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. We'll come back to that later. But here's the good. It's to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so this is the good that God is working all things towards, that you'd be conformed to the image of his son. And that second part of the sentence there, it says that God's aim in that, okay, God's overall goal is that he wants to have uh, this great big family of all of these children all centered around his one and only son, all centered around Jesus, so that this huge family all bear the likeness of the older brother. That's God's aim. Okay, that's the big picture. That's what God is working all things towards. And so that's, that's actually the good. And so in some ways, that's actually, <clears throat> we were talking about that last week 
we're um, you know, talking about the future glory of all God's children, that when Jesus comes again, uh, Philippians 3 says he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Well, have a look at uh, 1 John 3 verse 2. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so that's, that's the destination that God is moving all of history towards. That's the destination that God is moving you towards. And so that all the things that happen are working together for that good. Okay, That's the good that's coming. That's what we're looking forward to. Uh, but that's not all. It's not just the destination, but it's also the path to getting to that destination. It's, it's actually already happening. God is already working in your life, working all things together to conform you to the image of his son. Or to put it another way, everything you go through in life, God is putting you through that to make you like Jesus. And so really the more painful experiences you go through, it's kind of like uh, if God was a sculptor and he's shaping you to be like Jesus, the, the more painful experiences are like the hammer and chisel chipping away everything that doesn't resemble Jesus. Or the way Peter puts it in, in 1 Peter, he, he says that sufferings are like being put into the furnace where God is refining us like pure gold. Uh, it's painful experience, but it has a good purpose. It's going somewhere that's going to be glorious. And again, from our vantage point, it's very hard to see how that happens. Uh, becoming like Jesus, it feels, a lot of times it feels so slow, it feels so painful. And a lot of the times we can't really understand how it's all working. Uh, in fact, sometimes um, we can't see any progress in our lives and occasionally we even feel like we're going backwards. And, and so it's hard to kind of piece together what's going on. You know, we can't make the connection between the circumstances of our lives and how God is using that to, to shape us like Jesus. It's very hard to see sometimes. In fact, it can almost be a bit discouraging if we look at it only from our own perspective. But if we look at it from the perspective of faith, of trusting in what God is telling us in his word, then we actually realize that he is working everything, every little detail of your life, working it all towards this glorious destination, that you would be just like Jesus, that you would be, you'd have a body like his, that you would no longer sin, you know, that you would be perfect like him. That's where God is, is working. And so there's going to be a day, really, where God will flip that tapestry around. And then finally, you'll see the big picture. Finally, you'll see all the little chapters of your life, how they all work together to form this, this beautiful picture. And what is the picture? It's to be like Jesus. Okay, it's, it's, it is a picture of a king after all, <laughs> or a queen. You know, you're a king in Christ or a queen in Christ. That's the picture. And so one day you are going to see how it does all make sense. Right now we see the back of the tapestry. doesn't make sense. One day it'll all be complete. It'll all be clear. And it's all heading to that day 
where you'll be conformed perfectly to the image of God's Son. So that's the good. Now, if we know that, that has to help us. Okay, it has to bring some kind of perspective to the situations we go through in life. It, it brings clarity. You know, we should never say to ourselves, life is meaningless, or this suffering, you know, why do I have to go through this meaningless suffering? We don't say anything like that anymore because we know there's nothing meaningless anymore. Everything God is doing has a purpose, and it's a glorious purpose. It's a purpose that one day when it finally comes in its fullness, we will go, it was all worth it. Okay, yes, it was hard for those, you know, however many years God gives us in this present time. Yes, it was hard, but it was all worth it because now we have an eternity of glory, of being like Jesus and living with him forever. It'll all be worth it in the end. That's, that's the good that God is working now, that leads to another question, though, and that is, how can you be sure? Because surely, in the midst of pain, reality feels very different to what is actually true. You know, our, our perception of reality is very different to what real reality is. And so we need certainty. We need assurance. And we also get that in this passage as well. In these last two verses, uh, we have a guarantee that this is all happening. And it's in verses 29 to 30. Uh, here we see that God's work in our lives, it's actually part of a grand plan. A grand plan that stretches all the way back to eternity past and all the way forward to eternity future. And it's a grand plan that's actually presented to us as an unbreakable chain of events. In fact, there was a, a um, fellow by the name of William Perkins um, many, many years ago, I think in the 17th century, and he wrote a book, and he commented on this verse, and he called this section the golden chain of salvation. And ever since he wrote that, it, it, it stuck, the golden chain of salvation. And that's what Paul is talking about here. So I'll, I'll show you where it is. So in verse 29, it, he says, For those whom he foreknew... He also predestined, and then Paul finishes that progression in verse 30, and those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he called he also justified, and those whom he justified he also glorified. And notice the way that this is written. Notice how you know, it starts with foreknown, and then it says uh, you're also justified, uh, sorry, you're also predestined. And then he says, those who are predestined are also called, and those who are called. Now, notice what's going on here. Each, each little um, pair overlaps the other. So it is kind of like a chain, interlinking. That's where the idea of the, the golden chain of salvation comes in. And so it's saying that if you are foreknown by God, then everything else that's in the chain, it's all yours. It's all guaranteed from beginning to end. Okay, it's assuring us that what God starts, he always finishes. He never leaves something undone okay, because it's an unbreakable chain all the way through. So let's just have a look at the different uh, actions that are in this chain. Uh, first of all, it says, for those whom he foreknew. Now, foreknew, it's actually a very rich word. 
But it's very easily understood because to us, when we hear the word foreknown, it just sounds like it's saying uh, that you know God knew some things about us before we existed. But it's far richer than that because often in the Bible when it talks about God knowing us uh, or that he knew us, it's, it's speaking of something very, very deep, very rich, uh, much deeper than just knowing some facts about us. So I'll give you some examples. Uh, in Amos 3 verse 2, um, God says about his people uh, in the Old Testament, he says, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. You only have I known. And we read that and we go, huh? What does that mean? Doesn't God know everything? Why does he say he only knows one particular family? And then we realize it's saying something about him knowing. Him knowing, it's not just saying that, you know, he knows about them, but he knows them in a personal relationship. This is God knowing them in a committed way. He set his love upon them. That's how he knows them. Or in Hosea 13 verse 5, uh, God says, It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. And you can see there that to know it has the idea of, you know, I loved, loved and cared for you uh, through that uh, environment. And uh, there's, there's many more verses like that, but it's just showing us that when the Bible talks about God knowing someone in a unique way, it's really a synonym for love. Okay, this is, it means, you know, for God to foreknow you, it actually means that he foreloved you. That in eternity past, he set his love upon you. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that, that is the most incredible thing you could ever hear. Because it means that if, if you're a believer in Jesus and you trace that to the source, where did that come from ultimately? You know, like if you find a, a string in a, in a, in a uh, forest and you follow it and find, where, where is this leading? Now, if we ask, where, where does our salvation, what's the ultimate source? You trace it all the way back and here it is, that in eternity past, God looked at you and he set his love upon you. This is before you existed. He committed himself to you. Okay? Doesn't that blow your mind? Isn't that the most amazing thing you could ever hear? Uh, you know, Jeremiah speaks of this in uh, chapter 31, verse 3, uh, where God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Do you see that? It's everlasting. God's love, it's eternal. I don't even know if you can say, you know, sometime in eternity God set his love because it is eternal. It doesn't make sense to finite minds. Um, but this is why God continues his faithfulness to you because there's a commitment that goes on and on all the way back forever. It's just amazing. And, and that actually shows us that this golden chain of salvation, where does it all begin? It begins in love. It begins in God's love. God setting his love on the unlovely. And I say unlovely because back in Romans um, 5, it says that God loved us uh, while we were his enemies. So grace, that's what it is. Love and grace, they're the same thing. Now, second, so those he foreknew, that means to set his love upon, 
He also um, predestined. And to predestine, that just means to set the destination ahead of time. Uh, so for all the ones that God sets his love on, he also sets out the destination for them to share. And, and what is the destination? The destination is glory, you know, the, the ultimate good. Uh, but predestination and not only includes where we're going to end up in the end, it also includes the path to get there. You know, God maps it all out. He doesn't leave things to chance. And I know that's a challenging um, concept for us to grasp and uh, can often lead to um, questions and confusion. And uh, we're, we're going to get to all of that when we get to Romans chapter 9, because it's all about predestination. Uh, but the thing to notice here is that if you've been predestined by God to be conformed to Christ, then that's fixed. Okay, It's set by God. It can't change. And therefore... If you are predestined, then that's God's way of assuring you that nothing can alter it. Nothing can take you out from God's you know, hand. You can't, you can't be dragged out. You are completely secure in Christ because it's fixed. Uh, that is incredible. Now third, so we've got foreknown, predestined. The next link is uh, in verse 30, those who predestined, he also called. Now, I'm going to speed up a bit here. Uh, God's call in this context, it refers to him, uh, his inner call that calls us into salvation. See, because, you know, without God's intervention, what are we? We're rebels. You know, we're dead in our sin. We won't, we won't turn to him, even if he, you know, yells out, Oi! An external call will do nothing. There has to be something go on inside. God has to, to do something to our hearts to make us want to respond to the gospel. And Paul's word for that is God's call. Okay, so foreknown, those he foreknown, he predestined, those who predestines, he calls, those he calls, he justifies and justified. Uh, if you've been with us through the Roman series, hopefully all of you by now will know what justification means. And if you don't, then I'm, I've failed terribly <laughs> because Romans, you know, the first part's all about justification. But let me just remind you, justification means God declares us righteous in his sight based on the work of Christ. And so for all those he calls, he also justifies. So if you, if you belong to Christ, God sees you as perfect as his own son in his sight. But here we see the justification, it doesn't exist on its own. It's not something that God just does out of the blue. Justification, it's part of this chain, which means it's, it goes all the way back to eternity. Okay, God's been planning it all this time. And then uh, finally, those whom he justifies, he also glorified. And glorified, that's our final state of salvation. That's when we will finally be free from all of sin, free from all of the suffering, we'll have a resurrected body and we'll live forever and ever in the new heavens and the new earth. And uh, so glorification, that lies in the future for us. But notice the way Paul describes it. Those he justified, he also glorified. And we go, hang on a minute, why did Paul put that in past tense? It hasn't happened yet. How can he talk about it as a past event? And the reason he does that is because this chain, it's unbreakable, it's so certain that what lies in the future, 
it's as good as done. Okay, we can be that certain about it that he can say it's as good as done. And so the point of the golden chain of salvation is just to prove to us that what God starts, he completes. It can't be broken. And so for those that he sets his love on in eternity past, he works everything together for good. So that on that final day, all of those he set his love upon will all be there, that huge family, all standing before the throne, all made to look just like Christ, all reflecting the glory of Christ. And so for those of us who are uh, trusting in Christ for salvation today, where do we find ourselves in this unbreakable chain? We're right in the middle. Okay, we, we, We've experienced God's call to salvation. We know right now that we're justified in his sight through the work of Christ. And so if we're, if we're there in that chain, then we have this, this incredible confidence that no matter what we face in life, it's not going to rip us off that chain. Okay, it can't. Because we're secured from eternity past to eternity future. Nothing can change it. We are absolutely locked in. And it really is a chain that can't be broken because if you look at every link in it, they're all the work of God. Okay, all five things are what God does. None of these links are about what we do. And that is good news because if any of these links were about what we do, then what would it be? It would be a weak link, right? And if you have a chain with a weak link, all you've got to do is put enough pressure on it and eventually it will break. Okay, but here's a chain that is unbreakable because it's all the work of God. It's, you know, it's forged by God himself. And therefore, no matter how much pressure life puts on us, okay, no matter how hard the suffering and how much that you know, pulls our life apart, no, no, you are secure in Christ. You're not going to break okay, because you're in Christ himself. And therefore, you're, you're chained to this eternal plan that cannot fail. Okay, what God starts, he will complete. You cannot be more secure than you are right now in Jesus. And see, that's the assurance that when, when, when it says, for those who love God, all things work together for good, you can be absolutely sure that that's the case because you are unbreakably chained to the God of salvation. There you go. Let that sink in. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful uh, passage. Uh, it's really too deep for us to fully grasp uh, what you are doing because we're talking about eternity. But, Father, we know that you are the eternal God and that you've told us in your word what you are doing. And, Father, we acknowledge that it's, it's really hard to uh, accept sometimes that when we're in the... Um, midst of uh, real trouble, that it's so easy to lose our way and to lose perspective of, of what's really going on uh, from the heavenly side of things. And so, Lord, we pray that when we do uh, struggle with this, that uh, your spirit would, uh, would assure us uh, that we would be able to just cry out, Abba, Father, and even when we can't see clearly what's going on, help us, Lord, just to look by faith. And to know that you are at work and you are working all things for good. 
We pray particularly, Lord, for those today who are, who are suffering, Father, and who, who may feel that uh, it's, it's too much. But, Lord, we pray that, that they would know your comfort, uh, that it would give them peace in all of the um, turmoil. We pray that you would make us uh, good at comforting others, Lord, to be able to know how to speak uh, encouraging words to people and, and to be able to have the right thing to say and to know how to empathise. Lord, help us to grow in that. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.